Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, hopefully, fingers crossed, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire, uh, and like David De Gea's post-match press conference yesterday, Kieran, uh, neither of us are going to re- accept responsibility for, for, for somehow mislaying the episode for it. So it, it turns out producer guy does have a purpose after all, which is uploading stuff to the internet. But you, 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 you tapped it with a hammer, and it was all fine. Yes, it, it was. It was uh, somehow Monday's show went out on Thursday as well. Uh, and fair play to our, our listeners; they were they were straight onto it. Well, they um, uh, and and then uh, yeah, I, I, I spoke to our, our new engineer, and he said it's it's something to do with the cash. Uh, but that's that's been the story. That's been our problem with producer guy from day one. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, but uh, so I, I think if you reload your cash, then you can listen to us talking about uh, uh, our result. Uh, with yeah. uh, with Barnsley, you know, within 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 hours of, of us going stud steep in on, on the Barnsley decision to uh, uh, tie up with uh, some some hex dot com, uh, that they binned off the sponsor. Yeah, yeah, we we are we're taking responsibility for that. We take responsibility for some things, Kieran. But uh, it's nice to know that we're we're such a part of your routine, everybody, that you you mildly panicked when we weren't there at the right time. Uh, and some of you are less sympathetic than others. Like most of the tweets are, I say, chaps, do, have you realised what's going on? Uh, but there were quite a few saying, come on, fix it. Uh, <laughs> I don't pay a pound a month for Patreon to not listen at nine o'clock in the morning when I normally do. Um, thank you for uh, your lovely little support. It's very, very gratefully received. Uh, and I'm sure Guy appreciated having to take half an hour off his beach in Portugal to sort it out. And um, Questions day, Kieran. And we have some good questions. And our first question comes from... And I was really excited. Uh, uh, yes. It comes from Brian Clough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lee. <laughs> Brian Clough Lee. It's, um, what a great name. I, I, yes. I just, just for the moment when I read it, I thought, where is it? Finally, he's contacted us from beyond the grave. But it's, um, it's a great name, Brian Clough Lee, and it's a good question. Uh, Brian Clough Lee has been wondering about option to buy clauses that often seem to be a part of player loan deals. Now, say a club wants to activate a clause like this and buy a player at the end of a loan period, is the player obliged to go along with it? The club can't force him to sign permanently, presumably, so the decision-making must end up back with the player and his agent, which surely undermines the advantage of having this kind of clause in the first place. Uh, 
Yes, I think what would happen under these circumstances is that when the player first has negotiations with the the potential new employer, um, they will then agree potential terms. So, so everything is tends to be sorted out in advance between all of the parties. Yeah, they they, they do have to like each other, and if the buying club wants to trigger the option to buy, the the advantage to them is they have a fixed price. So if the player has performed really well, then at least you know you, you potentially you might be getting a you know, a fifty million pound player for twenty million pounds. Personal terms are a separate issue. So so the player could could refuse to go, but uh, normally uh, I think that would have been part of the initial negotiations between all the parties. Right. Um, and we have a similar. It's not a similar question. It's got similar words in it. So if, if I was to say that about every question, it'd all be similar, wouldn't they? So we've all got a question mark at the end. They're all exactly the same. It's from Luke. This question, uh, arguably my favourite apostle, Kieran. Um, <laughs> but again, as with Brian Cloughley, I suspect it's not. It's not that Luke. Otherwise, <laughs> I, I don't know why I say I suspect. It's definitely not that Luke. Why do clubs put massive buyout clauses on players? This just puts off other clubs, which I know it's meant to, and then most of the time the contract expires anyway and they go for free. Surely putting in a lower cause would entice clubs to try and buy a player to get some money before they do go for free. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think Luke's uh, right to an extent in that some of the, the buyout clauses are there as, as a preventative measure. Um, and also to, they're testing the water. So I think you know, most famously... Barcelona had this uh, you know 220 million euro buyout clause in Neymar's contract and they mm. put that there safe in the con- or confidence uh, that nobody would would pay it and then PSG came along and says hold my beer and uh, and, and they agreed to pay it. And, and I think there's there's one or two players now that have got buyout clauses of 3 4 500 million now part of that is to uh, is to get a bit of publicity but it is there to uh, to try to provide some form of protection. Um, as as far as the player going to the end of his contract, well, if, if you get five good years out of the player, then then the club that's bought the player is is normally quite happy. Um, and just because you have a buyout clause, the buyout clause means that um, you have to con- you, know, you have to consider the offer, or it, it does, or it could be as little as you have to inform the player. That a bid has been made. So I think the most the most famous one of these was is in respect of Luis Suarez and and Liverpool and Arsenal. And Suarez had a, a clause in his contract which says if uh, if if Liverpool receive a bid of more than forty million pounds, then they're duly obliged to say, oh, b- by the way, Louis, um, somebody's somebody's been uh, inquiring about you. Whereas under normal circumstances, it could be kept private between the two clubs. So Arsenal did make that uh, that inquiry at, at forty million plus one pound. Um, John Henry went off uh, and sort of, you know, he, he he I think he said, "What, what, are, they, what are they smoking?" Uh, when when that bid came in, which which is a strange thing to come from a uh, you know, a, a, a septuagenarian a commodities trader. And Liverpool said, "Okay, well, we've advised you, but we're, but we're not accepting the offer." So that so they could have kept quiet. I think this, it, and a lot of this is to do with publicity and trying to get messages out to fans via the media and so on. But in respect of the clauses themselves, that they are a, a protective measure. They can also act, of course, 
in the benefit of the player. So we, we've just seen Her- Haaland move to Manchester City for, it was a 60 million euro buyout clause. That's what his agent agreed when he first moved to, to Dortmund. And um, that was to protect the player because everybody thought this lad is going to be quite frightening in, in a few years' time. His market value, 150, 200 million, Manchester City got, got him at a bargain price. Mm, not according to Paul Merson yesterday. Uh, oh, no, not yesterday. It's Saturday, isn't it? Uh, it was very scathing about the fact that he only had seven touches in the entire game. There you go. Um, I was just trying to work out what the French would be for hold my beer. I'm so nervous now about the internet here, and I don't dare Google anything in case I lose either the script on one machine or the Zencaster <laughs> on the other, basically. But hold my beer sounds better, doesn't it? Um, and also, it wasn't just Barnsley, but you, you mentioned Barcelona. They sort of got their acting gear after you gave them a bit of a sledging as well, because they started that very afternoon. They started registering players left, right, and centre. Yes, they they, they they triggered their fourth economic lever. <laughs> um, and you know, I've, I've I've been through Investopedia. I've been through uh, quite a few of my textbooks as well on the world of finance. Economic lever is a is, is a unique phrase. It's mm. <laughs> a payday loan, isn't though? Mm. Um, uh, talking of beer, this is a tenuous thing, but it, it just reminded me. I, I went from beer to pie. Uh, you were back at uh, the Amex yesterday. You were very excited, I noticed, Kieran, about the uh, the guest pie. Very excited. <laughs> well, it, it's just good to see that our friends at Piglets are are back and and they're they're providing quality. So uh, you know, minced beef, bacon, and cheddar oh. is 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 an absolutely fantastic combination. Um, and it's only available this month, unless sales are, are splendid, in which case uh, you, know, you, you might be able to uh, try one out because Palace are, are coming to the Amex not too far away. Yeah, but uh, we have a policy of not buying stuff there. So, oh, right. Basically, yeah, not putting money in your pocket. And that, unfortunately, so childish, that extends to day trips to Brighton. While everyone else in the family is tucking into fish and chips, I'm not taking the risk that the bloke doesn't support Brighton. <laughs> not, not, point, not point, spending eight pound on a bit of cod from a Brighton fan. Um, Ian McLaughlin, uh, which is because my mother's maiden name, God rest her soul, the woman who put the laugh into McLaughlin. Uh, Ian McLaughlin has a <laughs> is a, a Leeds United fan, and he says last season my team had a warehouse clearance sale. Aside from the usual items, <laughs> four times XL sizes of shirts from past seasons, uh, the majority was what the club would refer to as official merchandise, Adidas and Kappa T-shirts that have had a club badge bunged on them somewhere. There were boxes and boxes of this stuff, and the Kappa items were from at least two seasons ago. My question is, does the club have to pay for this stock? If so, what's the benefit of waiting up to two seasons later before trying to sell it for £5 or £10 a pop? I suspect they're not waiting. They just haven't been able to sell it before. Why don't the club just clear the deck at the end of each season instead of keeping tons of boxes in warehouses, hoping someone will eventually buy it? Is there a financial benefit to selling it at a later date? I, I think this is uh, intriguing stuff here for me. Mm. Um a lot depends on whose responsibility is the club shop. So I, I believe that, that Chelsea's shop is actually run for them by Nike. Oh, so therefore, it's okay. a Nike decision rather than that of the club. Um, there, there are people such as, I think, Fanatics uh, or yep. who, who run some of the, the, the club shops at, at other clubs and so on. So 
It, it does vary in terms of circumstances. Um, I, I think uh, Ian's absolutely right that ha- having having loads of boxes taking up space isn't great. In the case of Leeds, if you go to the Leeds account, so I'm sure many people have, have done exactly the same as I have on a Sunday morning, uh, Leeds had £8.1 million worth of merchandise in their store and, and in their in their storerooms at the 31st of July 2021. So it, it is a risk. If you don't sell it, then uh, you know during the season, it, it is actually quite difficult to sell last year's kit. And, and that's why we tend to have these these so-called warehouse sales. A lot of clubs do have them, however, at the end of the season, you know, after the final home match has taken place. Hmm. Um, and, and then you, you can effectively, uh, you know, if, if, if you want that 5XL shirt um, from, from two seasons ago, uh, which you associate with, you know, uh, some dismal away performances. It's 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 available a bargain, um, and I know people are saying because I've, I've been doing a bit of work with with some of the uh, the people involved in in classic shirts and and, and the value of shirts, especially from the eighties and nineties, has gone through the roof. But the, the reason why they've gone through the roof is that it's now twenty twenty two, and and the shirts are forty years old, so they are they are sort of you know sort of genuine uh, antiques. Is there a financial benefit to selling it at a later date? It's because, in theory, you might have been able to sell it for, for 10 to £20 pounds a little bit earlier, and, and now you're accepting 5 or 10 So you try to get as, as much money out as in terms of standard prices uh, as you can, and, and then you have to go and accept what, what you think you can get away with. Mm. Uh, I believe, and I know our listeners will, <laughs> will correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that I believe in the early 70s, Leeds were the first club to come up with a kit specifically to wear at away games, whether there was a clash or not. That remember that rather nice yellow kit mm. with the blue thing, and I, I believe they wore that in every away match. But um, Kieran, how did you remind me how you know that they had eight million pounds worth of stock? Lying uh, because because I went into their accounts this morning at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. Legally, <laughs> yes, legally, oh, yes. Right. Yeah, they, they are published as part of the the annual reports which go to Company's House. Well, which is, you know, I'm I'm never far away from company's house. Of course not, and uh, well, both spiritually and physically. But uh, so that actually includes how much they've got in the club shop in their accounts. Yep, yep. the The merchandise uh, at the end of the season is uh, is detailed for, for every club. I, I could probably put out a chart on Twitter in a few hours if if I, if I can be. Uh, though the, the Baroness has just given me a look. I think I might. Perhaps not do that. Oh, don't put people's hopes up, Kieran. You can't let your <laughs> loyal fans down. So that £8 million of stock counts as an asset then, does it? Or Yes, yes, because you can sell it at a profit. You know, that, uh, the the, right. the £8.1 million represents the cost to Leeds. So you know, they'll have their markup on that, and, and, they'll, and uh, they've, got, uh, they've, they've got an interesting uh, away kit this season. Mm. Uh, mm. I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think it's as classic as the old uh, yellow admiral one which everybody at school used to like Mm. um tom haywood has an interesting question Uh, what kind of budgets do clubs allocate for psychologists and experts in really specific fields for example liverpool's throw-in expert this again this is a question we wouldn't have had 10 years ago are these often one-off fees or would they be salaried i assume as you go further down the table and down into the football pyramid these budgets become smaller and smaller are there any anomalies i don't i don't think they come smaller and smaller as you go down the term i, I doubt for example whether two and mitchum have got a throw-in psychologist that um it's an interesting question Kieran, and it, it is it is a new field because clubs at the top level are 
getting very specific coaches in, aren't they, to do these jobs? Yes, this is all about marginal gains. Mm. And from the club's point of view, given that the difference between finishing at 13th and 12th is 2.5 million, uh, and the difference between finishing fifth and fourth could be up to 100 million because that's Champions League. The senior clubs are often putting these specialists onto the payroll because they will be working with the players on a, a day-to-day basis or a weekly basis. Or what you might have is is you might say, well, we're going to employ you for two days a week. Um, and, and often these people are are working in you know, other areas of sports science. It could, it could be that they're they're working in, in universities and, or as have their own practices. So certainly some clubs do employ them um, on, a full, on a full-time basis. We also have a part-time basis and some will, will be purely on a freelance. So you might have a, a sports psychologist that comes in once a month to have a chat to the players um, about uh, you know their, their approach to the game uh, and the benefits that, that can bring, and, so, and, and you know, Tom's exactly right. It, it is it is determined by revenue, which is being generated by the club, it, and that and that dictates your ability to pay. Yeah, I think Palace might need a sports psychologist before the uh, big relegation six pointer at Anfield tonight. Um, now we've had a question from Luke, and here's a question from Jack, uh, the lesser known of the apostles. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Jack after watching Deadline Day last season says Jack uh, and I'm pause here to remind people that we prefer full names if that's alright unless you have a reason in which case do not worry Uh, uh, just a number will do if if you can't give us your full name after watching Deadline Day last season I noticed many deals where there are long term loans with options to buy from teams from overseas these deals seem very good financially for both the buying club and selling club the buying club gets to look at the player after a longer period in the new league. So, what ratio of the wages are the buying club, selling club covering for the loan period? Well, it's. Uh, I think it's a range. I think it's the politest way to describe that, right. Jack. And, and that range is naught to one hundred percent. Oh well. Um, so um, I, you know, I, I hate to bring him up again, but but Danny Drinkwater, by all accounts, <laughs> um, Reading were paying naught percent of his wages. When he was on loan from Chelsea last season, I think the the Ch- Chelsea wanted to give him the opportunity to get some experience, and the coach says, "Well, you know, you're not you're not really part of my plans." He had signed for thirty million from from Leicester. He was on a very lucrative contract, and and there were no takers. So Chelsea says, "Well, you know, we want to do the decent thing by the player, and, and also, yeah, you know, I've said this before, it means that you've not got an unhappy player." moping around in training saying oh, I'm, I'm not in the squad this year mm. uh they're taking up physio space they're taking up car parking space they could be having they could be bitching with the players it can be a negative if you've got unhappy players so so it does make sense in other scenarios especially in respect of some of the younger players the acquiring club does pay 100 percent of the wages um, and potentially pays a loan fee as well. So you can actually recover more money and you get the benefit of, of a player who can make a difference to your team if being younger. The player gets experience and it's less common to have an option to buy under those circumstances. But uh, you know, quite often the, the, the acquiring club will will try to negotiate, especially if, if you know, both both parties agree that if the selling clubs in the Premier League and this player's in in uh, you know in League One or or the Championship, and, and he's probably not going to go any further with the senior club, then then it sort of locks both parties in. I feel sorry for Danny Drinkwater. We 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 went along for two years nearly without once mentioning him, and in the last few weeks, 
he's going to be sitting at home or in the pub with his friends and family. And they're going, you're all right, Danny. I, I don't know what it is. My, my ears, they're really hot. <laughs> People are going to say, what is a heat wave? He said, no, it's more than that. It's just this kind of burning thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I just hope somebody's not mentioning my unfortunate loan period at Reading's. So, uh, sorry, Danny. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Greenwood says, I was wondering, and talk, oh, actually, talking of heatwaves, I'm really excited because the little weather forecasting on my laptop just says thunderstorms. Oh. Yeah, great. Matt Greenwood says, I was wondering, with it's like a director's cut today, you're getting to find out what's going on as, as things happen. <laughs> um, I also noticed I've taken issue with Eurostar here because it says uh, on this advert, 11 daily trains, and I think that should be 11 trains daily, but there you are. Oh. Um, yeah, well, well somebody, I'm sure somebody who knows what the French for hold my beer is will be able to tell me whether I'm right or wrong with that. Matt Greenwood says, I was wondering, with sponsorship deals investigated or monitored to ensure they aren't overinflated, is there, or why isn't there, the same applied to transfers? I can imagine there's been some overinflated fees over the years which have some hidden reasons behind it. Now, that's that sounds to me, Kieran, that Matt Greenwood might be being a little bit cynical. Uh, we wouldn't recognise that because we're not cynical <laughs> ourselves. But it, it's, it's an interesting point, Kieran, because I think most football fans look at a lot of football transfer fees and go, well, that's not right, is it? Surely, what's the, what's the reason behind that? Yes, uh, and I think uh, Matt has highlighted two potential areas here. First of all is where uh, we've got a couple of clubs with players who aren't delivering. And uh, what the clubs don't want to do is to sell the players at a loss, so therefore you arrange a convenient swap arrangement. So I think if, if we take a look at uh, Arsenal and Manchester United with Sanchez and Mkhitaryan, you know, neither, neither did particularly well. Or you know, Sanchez wanted to go, Mkhitaryan hadn't, hadn't worked out at Manchester United. This was a way that Arsenal preserved a bit of uh, face um, and acquired a player, and, and Manchester United got a player who was, who was throwing his toys out of the crown at Arsenal. Um, you've then got um, clubs wanting to uh, be, uh, be be creative with the numbers. Now, you know, we 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 don't we don't like to stick the boot in on Barcelona with regards to <laughs> years and years of financial management mismanagement. Um, but the swap of Arthur and Pjanic 
uh, which again, we it's, it's, it's sort of it's sort of a bit of a, a golden oldies uh, this episode mm. in terms of, of uh, things which we have covered before. But the prices involved, I think those players were swapped with agreed prices of I think it was seventy two million and sixty million euros for for players who were. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, you, you're not if you're playing here for Juve and, and, and Barca, you're not going to be crap. But everybody goes, well, they, they seem to be very, very high prices. And then you realise, hold on, uh, it allows both clubs to register a big profit uh, on the on the swaps of those players, mm. and that counts towards financial fair play. Whereas when you're buying a player, our good old friend amortisation comes into the being, and you spread the cost over five years. So, so there's always benefits if you're a selling club. So that that's one area, um, and I think the the other area which, which sort of Matt is alluding to is in respect of multi club ownership. So if we take a look at the relationship between RB Salzburg and RB Leipzig, there have been seventeen transfers, yeah. um, mainly from Salzburg to Leipzig uh, in recent years, and and the most recent one is uh, in respect of a striker called Benjamin Sesko, who is. If the new Harlem take a look according at, to yeah, and, and they just both, lazy both happen to have um, the same broad owner that seems to have been uh, very modest in Red Bull, um, even though the RBs, of course, don't stand for Red Bull in either case. If we look at uh, Aaron Moy, he was a very promising player at Melbourne City, and people said, you know, they think he's, he's going to develop, become a decent player. He, he was transferred to Manchester City for nothing, and he never played. For Manchester City, and and in fact, uh, if if you if you Google uh, Aaron Moy in a Manchester City shirt, I think you will struggle to find one. Mm. He was immediately put out on loan to Huddersfield Town. Huddersfield Town then bought him for ten million pounds. That meant that um, Manchester City booked a profit of ten million pounds on the deal. That counts towards FFP. There's no equivalent of FFP as such in Australia. So can you see when you've got a multi-club ownership, uh, this is a a classic example of, uh, we we refer to this, and it's nothing to do with football in general, as as transfer pricing. And we've seen similar. We know that the likes of Facebook and Google, they seem to book an awful lot of their profits in Ireland, where the rate of corporation tax is 12.5%, as opposed to the UK, where the rate of corporation tax is over 20%. That is, of course, by a pure coincidence mm. I, I hasten to add but it, it does allow uh, any organization which operates in different markets to allocate profits uh, perhaps and perhaps I'm being harsher to allocate profits and also to allocate costs in in particular locations in order to satisfy local criteria and local laws mm, it, 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 of course it's coincidence Kieran I'd be producer guy would like us to underline that but it's handy isn't it it's a handy coincidence it's one of them some of them special coincidences that come in handy and um, just for newer listeners kieran can you perhaps you can remind us how sponsorship deals are investigated or monitored and why well um following the uh, acquisition of newcastle by pif mm. um last year uh, by pure coincidence, almost immediately afterwards, the, the the Premier League introduced new rules in which every single commercial deal with a value of more than £1 million has to uh, go to what they refer to as a fair value panel. Um, so if Newcastle sign a deal for £40 million with, with a new sponsor, 
um, the the fair value panel will go, well, well yeah, we, we, we think it should be 12. Um, and, and therefore, it's only going to be 12 that counts towards uh, financial fair play. Um, th- this does seem to have been rather hastily introduced. Um, but it, in terms of votes, I believe it was 18 clubs voted for the change in the rules, Newcastle voted against, and Manchester City abstained because I think they saw, you know, this was this was an attempt by the by the elite uh, to try to reduce competition, and you know, the, the, the likes of the Glazers, they, they don't want competition for European places as far as uh, the Champions League is concerned, and, and they see uh, they see Newcastle as a threat, and, and and that's why these these rules were introduced. Wow, if, if Danny Drinkwater's ears are burning this weekend, the Glazers' ears, my God. <laughs> it's like cartoon flames coming off their ears. Um, Ian Waterhouse has a question, Kieran, which is technically uh, more a legal question than a financial one, but there, there are financial ramifications. But I want to ask it anyway because it's, mm. uh, it, it's, it, it's an interesting story that probably needed to have more publicity. And Ian Waterhouse, uh, his question relates to recent events at Barnet Football Club in which some players alleged they were threatened with the sack if they went on strike in protest at their captain being suspended following allegations of racist abuse from fans during a game. It was reported that the Barnet chairman said the players were employed on standard FA playing contracts to participate in football matches and any threats not to play would be a breach of their contract and would carry heavy sanctions with the National League. That's a quote. Uh, Ian says, my question concerning the above is how does a standard FA playing contract differ from a bespoke contract between a player and their club and the, or the league? And which of these two contracts take precedent if they contain different terms and conditions? Also, do players have the same rights as normal Joe Public overtaking strike action? Yes. Uh, th- this I've, I've tried to sort of dig up at what's happened in, in respect of this because I, I believe – that uh, it, it wasn't just um, racist abuse from fans. I think it was racist abuse from a member of staff. Ah, okay. um, right. And, and uh, the, the the captain um, said, "I'm I'm not willing to to get you know have have anything to do with with the with the person involved." Um, and and there was support from the other players. So um, in in order to have a strike, you, you have to go through appropriate procedures. So so yeah, I I am a member of a trade union. Uh, you know, there would have to be a ballot, uh, and uh, you know, there would have to be a majority of people, uh, you know, voting for strike action, uh, as as we are currently seeing in other industries. Mm, mm. And um, so, all, all the players, or well, no, sorry, not all the players, uh, all the players have the option of joining the the PFA. Um, and, and therefore, what they would do is that they would have to seek guidance from the PFA as as to um, the, the appropriate action they could take. But yeah, we also have to be practical about here. Uh, yeah, footballs footballs are tough. In if, if you're if you're not putting if you're not feeling a hundred percent, yeah, if, if you feel that there have been some you know, racist related issues at, at at your place of employment, the chances are you're not going to put in a, a proper shift. Mm. Even, even, you know, because physically you might be able to, you know, mentally, psychologically, you might feel uncomfortable, and that that might have an impact. So. Uh, you know, I always say to people under these circumstances, get around the table, negotiate, get the other side's point of view, good communication, be transparent and so on. So the, the threats from the Barnet chairman certainly didn't help. Um, uh, in, in terms of, uh, yes, yes, there, there is an obligation to pay play by players, but um, 
I don't think that there would have been sanctions from the National League because the the PFA would have got involved on behalf of their members. And uh, then, you know, it's a bit like my mate, the Prowler, when when we used to play on on wickets, which were you know which were baked as they are this summer, uh, his his hamstring always used to twitch uh, as soon as he saw uh, a wicket on which there was little chance of of taking taking any wickets because he was it was it was a man who was who was very conscious of his bowling average, and it'll be the same for for football players. Yeah, oh, what well, yeah, I've, I've, you know, yeah, I've, I've got a, my muscles feeling a little bit tight. I'm, I've, I'm, I've got a bit of a niggle here. I, I can't play, and that's what what could have been the, the reaction of the players uh, if they didn't formally go on strike. Um, you know, we, we've heard this, I think, in, in respect of the the police a few years ago, there was going to be uh, a day of blue flu where a, a lot of police officers, you know, at one point were saying, well, yeah, okay, we're not going to formally go on strike if the government, uh, you know, prevents us from doing so. But, yeah, we, we might all get a, a, a severe attack of the sniffles simultaneously, mm. purely by coincidence, of course. Yeah, I've said this before, Kieran. I think the Prowler needs to be more aware of his nickname than his bowling average, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. Um, If anybody involved in this story, Barnet National League PFA, would care to get in touch and elaborate, because clearly it's an Mm. important issue, then we'd only be too happy uh, to hear what's gone on and what the long-term ramifications are, uh, because it's obviously a concerning story. Our... Next question comes from Nick Andrews Govain, uh, which is a cracking name, isn't it? It's, it's, mm. it's, it's a double-barreled name, Nick Andrews Govain. And Nick's question is, what is the average spend by Premier League men's teams on their women's setup? And what would be the impact on the men's team if there was a rule that all Premier League teams have to invest a minimum of, say, 10% of their income on women's football? Yes, uh, in terms of budgets in the women's game here and here I'm, I'm looking at wage budgets the figures for 2021 which are on average probably up around about 50 percent since 2018-19 in, in the WSL were 1.3 million to 3.3 million pounds for the season now you've got individual players who are earning you know, 15, perhaps 20 million pounds uh, in the season. So, so there, there is a significant difference. Um, there, there's a significant difference between clubs in the WSL as well. It, it's, a, it's a shame that Chelsea uh, choose not to disclose their total mm. wage bill for the women's team um, because I suspect Chelsea's will be the, the highest budget. Um, they certainly appear to have the, the highest paid player and, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But if, if we were to look at Nick's interesting question, that let's take 10% of the the men's team's budget uh, alloc- has to be allocated to the women's team, then we would be looking at somewhere between 8 million to 35 million. Uh, so it, it would involve a substantial increase uh, in terms of uh, the, the pay available. You know, 35 million is what you'd normally expect for a, for a club in the championship, which is uh, you know, perhaps just been relegated from the Premier League uh, and is perhaps in you know, its second year of, of parachute payments, or we've even seen some clubs uh, pay in excess of that uh, you know, when they got into the playoffs or when, when they've got a new owner who, who, who's trying to, to get into the Premier League as quickly as possible. And, and that, you know, realistically, we'd be looking there at, at sort of wages of you know, perhaps 20 grand a week, which uh, is 
you know, million, million pounds a year. And our understanding, I think, is the highest paid player in, in the WSL is on 300,000. I think we've said this before. The yeah. average is 27. So, so I, uh, I think it, it would be intriguing. Um, I think the argument that the, the Premier League clubs would say is, well, under those circumstances, we will drop our women's team because the women's team teams at present are not generating 10% of the revenue yeah. of the men's team. So therefore, uh, you know, we're going to be operating at significant losses. And whilst those losses don't count towards FFP, that there's still losses that have to be borne either by the rest of the business or by the owner. It, it is an interesting point from Nick. That the one downside to it is that if all, not just Premier League teams, but if all men's teams were obliged to invest a minimum of, say, 10% of their income on the women's team, that does put a disadvantage to teams like Durham, who don't yeah. have a men's team, for example. They're one of the one of the few. So that, that would be unfair to them, wouldn't it, for a start? Yes, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and remember, we've also got clubs such as Lewis, where the women's team are on 100% of uh, yes, the men's team. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm still sulking a little bit, Kieran. I'm not in Scotland, as I love it up there so much. But and this, So this is an interesting question, actually. It's from Kieran Fullop. Um, and Kieran says, over, over the years, Rangers and Celtic have often had the same shirt sponsor. And I've wondered whether, when that happened, the clubs negotiated those deals together and did the sponsor get some sort of discount? That's an interesting one, Kieran, isn't it? Yes, yes. Um, I, I think the dual sponsorship, and, and I think, yeah, I think it's, it's CR, CR Smith, which was double glazing, yeah. uh, and then Weird Tenants as well. I think that was done from... The, the the benefit of the the sponsors that they wanted to have a club yeah you know, one of the senior clubs in Glasgow wearing their shirts every Saturday and of course you know given that both clubs don't play at home yeah. at the same so so this was this was a beneficial um, and also that it was a bit of a defensive measure because um, you know you you mentioned earlier that you won't eat or drink in Brighton yep. or buy anything at at, uh, at the ground and, and I get that well. It, if you think you're militant, you're nothing compared <laughs> to Rangers and Celtic fans. <laughs> so, so can you see the the potential for? Uh, well, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get double glazing from W H Smith, so I'm going to move to another another type of alcoholic beverage uh, rather than tenants because they are sponsoring my rivals. Um, so, um, I, I think I think this was was done from from the sponsors' point of view. Is that if they're sponsoring both clubs, they they can't be subject to a boycott. They can't antagonise fifty percent of of the uh, of, of the population of Glasgow who who are you know supporting those two clubs. Uh, to, to save our listeners tweeting, Kieran, I, I don't think any of us are going to be getting our double glazing from W H Smith. Uh, <laughs> you can get all sorts. You can get vouchers for a spa, and what you can't get mainly in W H Smith is blinking books these days. Um, but you certainly can't get double glazing. Is um, is Finley after a walk? He seems to be rattling his lead. With some, yeah, it... yeah he's, he's just finished a wonky shot, so now he's having a stretch. Oh, <laughs> well, good. I'm glad he keeps fit. He's, he's got to work that wonky jump off. Our final yes. question comes from Ricky Prince, um, and Ricky Prince asks this: If a club goes out of business while still owing instalments on the transfer fee for a player, would the selling club have any recourse to reclaim that player's registration as they never received full payment for it? Uh, the answer to that, Ricky, is no, because 
Um, if we take a look at uh, clubs which have gone into administration uh, and also some clubs which have gone out of business altogether, um, what happens is that following the appointment of an administrator or a liquidator, um, the, the the administrator has to uh, has to prioritise football debts, but it doesn't necessarily mean that a hundred percent of them are going to be paid. And therefore, it is the player's registration certificate which is transferred, not the player themselves. The player signs a contract of employment with the new club, which is now in administration, and that that effectively locks the player in. Um, So that actually can benefit the player because you know, what happens if you've, you've gone from Club A, where you where you on 10 grand a week, to Club B, who are paying you 40 grand a week, Club B go into administration. It doesn't mean that you therefore have to go back and, and accept 10 grand a week from your previous employer, who probably doesn't want you anyway. Mm. So uh, remember that, that football debts are a, uh, a preferential creditor. So they are paid ahead of other classes, classes of creditor, but uh, the, the contract itself is, uh, is, is maintained by the club and administration, which in turn, the administrators might try to sell that contract uh, onto somebody else to, to, to recoup some of the money um, that to, to, click, to get the club out of the mess that it's in. Mm. Uh, now, Kieran, we'll be back on uh, Thursday with our regular news pod, uh, hopefully, <laughs> um, uh, the reason I say it with some trepidation is, uh, as producer guy went away on his holiday, he sent what I can only describe as a breezy email uh, with the template. Threatening was the word I used. <laughs> with the template for the script, which just says, fill in the news stories yourself, because uh, obviously I can't predict what's going So basically, at some stage over the next couple of days, uh, he trusted us. to. <laughs> so it, 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 it will happen. It just some of the news stories might be about 70s cartoons, and that's all. Rather than, <laughs> rather than let's keep our fingers crossed that something happens. Uh, maybe Eurostar will get in touch to say they, they are right. It should be uh, daily trains. But um, we will be back on Thursday. Um, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution to the pod, go to patreon.com slash price of football. Uh, and if you pay enough, you can avoid the adverts. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Uh, well, once again, folks, uh, apologies for the uh, yeah. technical issues um, <laughs> that arose on Thursday. Um, and when my, when my, private message direct messages on twitter started pinging at i think the first one i got was at 3 20 a.m wow. which which i thought well, yeah we, we've got some very committed listeners but then i realized this, this show is listened to sort of quite quite globally yeah. um for, for reasons which still confuse us but uh, uh patreon is one way um uh, the, the other way that you can uh, show, show a bit of uh, positive vibes for the show is by going on to your your podcast app and uh, giving us a review if you give us five stars apparently it's it's the stars that matter according to Guy and his understanding of the algorithm, which I think is fair to say is uh, slightly ahead of that of <laughs> Kevin and I when it comes to understanding the algorithm. Um, but uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter what you say. You could, you could say you would rather have the show presented by Jermaine Greer and Dennis Wise, which I think will be a, would be a clash of minds. I think it would be an interesting conversation. I certainly would, would sit down and listen to that uh, you know, because – yeah, they they might have alternate views. The price of football.
that provides some photo ball.